0: Word Philippians 127 through30, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction to them, for them, but of salvation to you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me.
1: Good morning. good morning. That was great, bud. Thank you for that. It's so good. It's all about Christ. I think I heard you say that's all I have to say today, too, which is great. Uh, so if you haven't been around, we're kicking off this new year by spending the first three or four months in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And what this letter is all about is painting a picture of what it means to live the Jesus life. It means to live life with Jesus and for Jesus. And chapter one, we started by looking at Paul's prayer. And the prayer was he said, I want God to show you guys what really matters in life. The things that are best and most important and most essential. I want you to have discernment to see what really matters. And then he went on, beginning verse twelve, to update update them on his situation, and in that update he reveals For him, what really matters, what is most important? And, of course, the answer is Jesus. Paul says, for me, to live is Christ. That's what it's all about. And, of course, to die is gain because to die would be to gain Jesus in an even more immediate way. And we found out that Paul was going through some really tough circumstances. He's in prison in Rome, so he's stuck He's facing an upcoming trial where he doesn't know what will happen there. He's got some opponents in Rome uh, that are hard to deal with. But in all of that, he says, you know what? Through through all my circumstances, my goal, my hope is that Jesus would be magnified in my life. That's what I want. That's what I want from my life, that that Jesus would be magnified. The way that a, a telescope magnifies a star right take something like a star that is actually beautiful and huge and glorious and awesome but from our perspective it seems faint and small because we can't you know we're not we're so far away from it but a telescope just gives us a little glimpse of just how bright and beautiful that thing is paul says that's what i want to do with my life through all these circumstances hopefully the way i live gives people just a little glimpse of how bright and beautiful and awesome Jesus Christ is. That's what my life is all about. So now in verse 27, having told them about his life, he now turns to the Philippians and then to us uh, by extrapolation and, sa- and, and, and says he's going to give them an encouragement where they are. And as we're going to see, they're going through their own set of tough circumstances, but he has a word for them in the midst of their circumstances and a word, I believe, for us today. So let's start with verse 27. Follow along. This is the, the, the key command in this, this short passage. Verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay, this is the topic sentence for this passage. I would argue it's really the, the topic sentence for the rest of Paul's letter. is kind of the big summary command. In light of who Jesus is, the command is live your lives in a manner that is worthy of of the good news about Jesus. I want to start with that word, worthy. If you are in a men's Friday morning Bible study here at Grace, you better know what the Greek word for worthy is. Let's hear it. Look at that. Axios. Yes, the Greek word, live in a way that is axios. That's the Greek word for worthy. Uh, The key meaning of this word is uh, it conjures up, the root meaning is, is has to do with the balancing of scales, okay? The two things are of equal weight, all right? So in the first century, in the marketplace, right, we've all seen images of a scale. You're buying something or you're selling something. On one side of the scale, there's some known weight. They put a pound on there, right? And you want to buy a pound of, what would you buy? Pomegranates, I don't know what you buy in the ancient Middle East. Um, but you, you know, once they're, once they're equal, then you know, okay, I'm getting a pound. So you've got a known weight on one side and then, You want the other weight to be axios, okay? They are of of equal weight is the idea. They they correspond with one another, and so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, okay, there is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so let your lives be worthy of of the gospel. Let your lives correspond to the weightiness and the greatness. Let there be equilibrium between what the gospel is and what your lives look like, how you actually live your lives. Let your lives be worthy of the gospel. Now, I don't know how that strikes you. For me, that command could either feel like a really heavy burden, like how could I ever live worthy of Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is amazing. How would how my life ever be worth of that? So you could read it as, as a burden, or you can read it as, I think, the invitation that it is. And, and the most helpful way that I've heard this word worthy explained is just to take that word worthy and just take the word in there that is worth, that word worth, and say, okay, the gospel of Jesus, how much is it worth? How valuable is it? How good is it? How precious, how wonderful. How much is Jesus worth? And then, the, and then say, live, I want to live my life in a way that reflects his worth to me. I want to make daily decisions that reflect the fact that Jesus is really valuable to me. Jesus is worth a lot to me. In fact, he's worth more than anything to me. He's precious. He's important. And so I want to live every day reflecting the fact that he is worth it to me. Simple as that. And what, what I was realizing this week is actually every person is doing that in their life. Every single person. We've been talking about this for two weeks now. But every single person is living because they, they think certain things are really worth it, are really valuable. Let me give you two examples. Okay? Got pictures here. Here's two guys working late, late office hours, right? So there's some people that work, you know, 80, 90, 100-hour work weeks, right? Up early at the office, late after everyone's gone. And the outside world might go, well, that is a huge sacrifice. Like 90 you spend 90 hours of your work. That's crazy. But for that person, there's something that makes it worth it to them. There's something valuable in that. Maybe they just absolutely love the work itself. Maybe they really value financial security. Maybe they want to make a name for themselves. There's something in that where they would go, this is worth it. This is valuable. That's why I'm doing this. You might see it as a sacrifice, but there's something I really value that's driving me to do this. Let me give you a very different example. Here's a picture I saw. Um, this was in December at the, uh, the, um, the opening of the new Star Wars movie. All right? I saw this uh, online. Uh, in the Los Angeles Daily News, uh, and the caption read this, Star Wars fans Caroline Vader Ritter and Jason Grimlock Thomas have some fun as they strike a pose at T- TCL Chinese Theaters in Hollywood on December, uh, Tuesday, December 12th. The two are tied for first in line to watch the new Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, that opens on Thursday, and then here was the line that really caught my attention, they and a few others lined up for tickets since last week, Thursday, But you remember when everyone used to camp out before a new movie came out, like, wow, last, so you've, you've camped out for a week to be first in line. That's crazy. But I would imagine they would say, no, there's something that's worth it to us, right? Either we are so captivated by the, the. The Star Wars imagination, you know, this story, we love getting this or, or just the idea of camping out sounds fun to us. There's something that's valuable to us. You might see it as a sacrifice, but for us, it was worth it. That's why we did it. So every human being is living their lives because they find certain things that are worth it, that are truly valuable. And Paul is saying, there's a lot of things that people can identify as valuable, as worth it, but there is none more important than him. And Jesus Christ, and the gospel of Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, crucified, suffered for us, died, buried, raised, now the king of the universe. Nothing is more valuable than him, and his point in this passage is than this. So live that way. Live your lives as if he really is that valuable. Let everything you do, be a reflection of the fact that he is so valuable that he's worth it. And what I love about that command is what it implies to live lives worthy of the gospel. It implies that we're constantly reminding ourselves of what the gospel is, (laughs) right? We're constantly taking in the gospel, tasting it, seeing that it really is good so that we might then live in a way that's that way. So like, let me give you a couple examples of this, all right? So let's think about different aspects of the gospel and what it would mean to live worthy of the gospel. So here's one. Well, here's what the gospel is all about. Forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I now have the forgiveness of all my sins. God does not condemn me. He forgives me. He loves me. And I get to, that's part of the gospel. What does it mean to live worthy of that? Well, if that's what the gospel is, then living life worthy is I live in freedom. I don't don't continue to live in shame and guilt, but I live daily going, I really value the forgiveness that I have. That's worth a lot to me. I want to live in that every day of my life. Let me give you another example. The gospel, Paul will say in other places, is about adoption, that we have been adopted into God's family. God is now our father. We sang that song, you're a good, good father. And so to receive that, what does it mean to live worthy of that? Well, that means I live with a childlike trust. As I go through my days, even as I anticipate the future and what might happen, I go, I value God as my father. He loves me. He cares for me. He's watching over me. So I can live with trust in him, with a childlike faith that he's going to take care of me. Or one more. The gospel is about peace. Paul says this in Ephesians, that, that Jesus has brought peace, not just between us and God, but between us and one another. That he has reconciled people to himself into one family. We're now brothers and sisters in Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross. So what does it mean to live worthy of that peace? To say, I value it. Well, it means that I live a life of humility and love with you all and you with me. That we we put one another's interests ahead of our own. We value the peace that Jesus has brought. Do you see that? It implies we're constantly taking in the gospel ourselves. Value it, and then just living accordingly. And what I love is this, this is not about religion or morality. This is not about doing the right thing, right? Following the rules, always getting it right. No, this is about what do you love? What do you value? What do you find worthwhile? What, uh, what has captivated your imagination? And then what do you want to honor by how you make your daily decisions? And I think worthy is a great filter for our lives. You know, as you're just going through your week, that's a really good filter of, of all that we do. Is what I'm about to do or is what I'm doing, is this worthy of Jesus? Does this demonstrate that I find that Jesus is really worth it, that he's valuable? So the words that I'm about to say to this person, <laughs> the words that I'm speaking in this moment, are these words that are worthy of of Jesus. Do these words demonstrate I I really value Jesus? The thing I'm about to read or the thing I'm about to watch, the show, the movie I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch, is this worthy of Jesus? Does this does me watching this demonstrate I find Jesus very valuable? This thing I'm about to spend my money on, this thing I am spending my money on, does this show, is this worthy of of Jesus? Does it show me and does it show others? I really value who Jesus is. Okay. It's a, an amazingly comprehensive filter to run our daily decisions through. You with me? Yeah. Okay. Easier said than done, right? Yes. Yes. So that's the, that's the, comprehensive command that really guides the rest of the book and then in our passage specifically verses 27 through 30 um, what Paul wants to talk about is uh, as living a life worthy specifically in this context and doing that publicly okay doing that in the world in their context in Philippi that is, not just valuing Jesus personally and, ma- and having this private, wonderful relationship with him, but actually living out loud with that worthiness. Saying, Jesus is worth it to me. I'm, I'm going to live that way wherever I go. You can see it in verse 27. Look at the, the, second, the very end of verse 27, the last phrase. He talks about striving together as one for the faith of the gospel what he means in the context is i want you guys to be striving for the faith of the gospel in philippi okay so that that more and more people in philippi are coming to see just how valuable the gospel of jesus is because we believe that jesus is is worth it not just for us but for the whole world he's valuable not just for me but for my neighbor and my coworker and my friends and so so Paul is talking about living this way out loud in philippi spreading the gospel of jesus in philippi and there's a particular context in which they're trying to spread it. And it is a context of opposition in Philippi. Look at uh, verse 28. It says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Some of your translations might even say by your enemies. And we don't know the details, but apparently there's some form of opposition to the gospel in Philippi some form of en- enemies that the Christians are having to deal with as they try to live their f- faith out publicly. And again, we don't get details, but if you look at other New Testament letters, we know what the early church had to deal with. Sometimes this took the form of social pressure. There'd be, you know, obviously people who didn't believe in Jesus, and there was social pressure put on the Christians to quiet down or to, to not live out their faith. Um, sometimes this took the place, uh, took a, took a um, form of I would what I'd call like occupational pressure. Um, certain people stopped doing business with Christians, um, for their faith. And so that had huge, uh, financial implications for them. Of course, sometimes it took the form of actually political pressure on Christians in the first century. Uh, Philippi, we'll talk about this in, in coming uh, weeks, Philippi was a Roman colony. So it was like a mini Rome outside of Rome. Lots of ex military folks had, had retired in Philippi. And so the, the, the city was, was kind of out, it was uh, built based off of the model of Rome, and it was a very patriotic uh, city. And so it was a city where everyone would acknowledge Caesar is Lord. And for these Christians who would say, actually, we think Jesus is Lord in a Roman colony, uh, that could actually uh, put them in the face of political pressure. So we don't, we don't know exactly what it was, but we know there's some form of opposition. It's very real, and apparently it's very scary right and so paul's point in this passage is to encourage him live lives worthy of the gospel striving together for the advance of the gospel in philippi even in the midst of opposition okay that's, the, that's what he's getting at in this passage. And, of course, the question for us is, is going to be, how do we do that in our context in Orange County in 2018? We're not facing probably the same kind of intensity of opposition they were. But how do we live lives worthy of Jesus, not just privately, not just on Sunday mornings, but out loud in our lives, in our community? How do we do that in a way that is worthy of Jesus? Paul doesn't answer the question, how? How do I actually do that in this passage? But what he does do is he gives us two things we're going to need in order to do that well. And this is where I want to I kind of lay on the plane today. Is, is focusing on these two things that we see. Two things we're going to need if we're really going to live lives worthy of the gospel. Not just do it privately, but do it publicly. He says, here's what you need to the flipping. He says, you're going to need courage, and you're going to need camaraderie. You're going to need to do it together. So let me look at these two and then we'll spend some time reflecting on this in our own lives. First, he says, you're gonna need courage. Look at verse 28. Actually, at the end of verse 27, it says, Striving together is one for the faith of the gospel. And here it is without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul is saying, you go do what you do, don't be intimidated. By the opposition. Don't be frightened by them. You keep doing what God is calling you to do. And of course, that is going to require courage, right? Not arrogance, not self righteousness, not we're better than you, but a humble, sacrificial courage that is willing to take a hit uh, for Jesus, to put it simply. And that courage, of course, has to come from this deep conviction of what the gospel is, of who Jesus is, and what it means to live life for him. Look at verse 29. I love this. Uh, actually, I hate this. Excuse me, I hate this. Um, but it's true. Uh, he says, He's saying, don't be frightened, right, even though there's opposition. And then he says this, For it has been granted to you, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, and here's the bad part, but also to suffer for him. And the crazy part of that verse, he says, It's been granted. To you, That's my translation. That word granted, a better literal translation would be, it has been graced. It's the same word as grace. It has been graced to you. It's been given to you. A good definition of that word is this, to give or grant graciously and generously with the implication of, the, of goodwill on the part of the giver. Okay, normally when you hear this word, it's used in the context of spiritual gifts. Jesus has graced us with spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying, Jesus has graced us with two things here. He has graced us with faith to believe in Jesus, and he's graced us with what? Suffering, specifically suffering for Jesus. Implication, he's saying, is suffering for Jesus is a privilege. It is actually a gift. Because suffering for Jesus, as painful as that would be, actually is, I think Paul would say, is an opportunity to know Jesus at a deeper level. And suffering, these Philippians will come to know him at a deeper level, and suffering is an excellent opportunity to show yourself, to show Jesus, to show the world just how valuable Jesus is, how much he really is worth it. It is a gift Paul says. I hate that, but that's what he says. I was reading uh, Acts 5 this week um, that touches on this. Uh, It's a story where the apostles are still in Jerusalem. This is after Pentecost, and they're sharing the gospel, and they are arrested uh, by the Sanhedrin, the ruling uh, religious leaders of the day, and the, uh, the leaders, they throw them in jail. They spend a night in jail. Uh, And then they uh, let them out, and they have them flogged, and uh, then they warn them not to speak about Jesus again, okay? So jail, threat, a flogging, and they leave jail, and this is what it says. Uh, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing, why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I thought, wow, wow. That is just a perspective that is not in my worldview right now. No, no, suffering is a privilege. Oh, we've been considered worthy. We've been able to demonstrate to the world and to ourselves that Jesus is worth it. He's worth the suffering. It gives us an opportunity to show just how valuable Jesus is. Well, that kind of perspective um, takes away the fear. Right? That kind of perspective brings courage. What's the worst you can do to me? Make me suffer? Hey, that's a gift. <laughs> right? It kind of dismantles the fear and it grants courage. Paul says in verse 28, look at it again, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And he says that kind of humble courage, he says this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. When you can face suffering... With humble courage, it is a sign. First off, it's a sign to you that you're being saved by God. You can recognize, wow, God is really at work in me. Here I am. I'm suffering for Jesus. I'm legit. I'm the real thing. This is sticking. This is real. I'm being saved. It's a sign to them of something else. When they see these people humbly, graciously, lovingly, enduring persecution, it shows them they're not on God's side. It is a sign to to all. So he's saying, be courageous. You can do this. So courage. And then the last thing he mentions, and really this is what, what really hit me this week, is we need courage to do this. But the word I'm using is camaraderie. Okay? And you get that theme throughout this passage. This is something we don't do as individuals. This is something we do together. Paul's encouraging these Philippians. You do this together. Um, look at verse 27. Uh, middle of it. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Okay, you, you may not know. It. There's two good metaphors embedded in that verse. The first is a military metaphor, which says you will stand firm. Okay, that is, that, that's a picture of soldiers standing firm side by side as there's an enemy coming to attack them. But they're standing their ground, we would say today. And so you can, you can kind of think of the camaraderie of soldiers who are in battle together. And Paul saying, that is what you guys are. The, the, the onslaughts of the culture and for them, the opposition of your enemies are coming. But I want you to stand firm, side by side as one, fighting together. And then the other metaphor is actually a sports metaphor. He says, striving together as one for the faith. That word striving is the Greek word athleto. And you can hear in that athleo where we get the word athlete, right? And the soon in the front of it means with. So you are athletes together, okay? He's speaking in Greece, right, where the Olympic Games happen. People are very familiar with athletes. And he's talking about basically being teammates. You guys are teammates. And like a team that has this goal and works together and strives together and fights together for that goal, you guys are a team, Your fellow soldiers, your teammates striving, working towards the spread of the gospel in Philippi. And so there's this theme of of unity, standing firm in one spirit, striving together with one mind. There's a camaraderie in this. There's a camaraderie in the pursuit. There's a camaraderie in the suffering. Look at verse 30. Get the sense of uh, of camaraderie here. Paul says, "Since you guys, you're going through the same struggle you saw I had." Okay, when he was in Philippi, right? Paul got put in jail. He's saying, "You guys are, I, I'd do that." And now you hear I, that I still have. Now he's in jail again in Rome. <laughs> Paul's always in jail. He's going through struggles. They're fighting opposition, but you sense this camaraderie. You guys are going. We're going through it together. Okay, we're having to fight this fight together. But that's the point: is that we're doing it together. And that's what we need, right, when living for Jesus gets hard. Not just courage, but there needs to be this camaraderie that we need each other. We're not alone in this. We're encouraging one another, right? We're spurring one another on, saying, let's do this together. Let's all live as if Jesus was really valuable. Let's help one another do that. As, as the onslaughts of, of whatever the culture, whatever messages are coming, whatever life Uh, That we're seeing out there is coming at us. Let us stand together, side by side, as one and say, No, we're going to live as though Jesus were the most important thing. And I'm going to encourage you in that. And you're going to encourage me. And I'm going to challenge you. And you're going to challenge me. We do this, we bring courage, and we bring the camaraderie of being one family together. That's what Paul is saying. That's a worthy life. Jesus being the most important thing and living that way out loud out in Philippi, so that others would come to know it. Don't be afraid of what might come with that. Have courage and do it together. That's the message. So I, I want to um, give us a little time of prayer, a little extended time. I know we've been doing this a bunch lately, but just some time of reflective prayer. Okay. So if you would um, close your eyes, and I want to let you think through some things. You know, we've really, uh, I've focused on three words today. Uh, you've got this word worthy, and, and then courage, and then camaraderie. And I, I want to give you some space to, to think about each of those ideas. So let's start with this word worthy. And really, I've been saying the same thing for the last three weeks, really. It's the same, same message. Um, what really matters? Um, what is really worth living for? What does to live mean for us what what are we really living for and we're being invited obviously to consider Jesus he's what really matters he's what's really worth it he's the most valuable thing and so i want you to continue to reflect on this idea what what if jesus was the most valuable thing and what if every decision i made was filtered through that will this reflect just how much Jesus is worth it. I want to live my life, not just personally or privately, but publicly in a way that magnifies, that reveals, man, Jesus is so valuable. So you've been considering that idea, I hope, over the last couple weeks. What I'd like you to do is just prayerfully consider with Jesus right now. What's one thing? What's one way I want to live differently in the next month? In a way that would reflect truly how valuable you are, Jesus. It might be just one area of your life. It might be the way you speak. It might be the things you watch. It might be the way you treat a certain person. It might be the way you spend your time or the way you spend your money, okay? But what would be one thing, one way you want to live differently that would reflect, Jesus, you are very, very valuable to me. And your good news, the gospel, is very valuable to me. So just take a moment to identify that. And that might be all you think about uh, this morning. But let me give you two other things. Let, let me take this word courage. And for you, you know, we're not, we, don't, we don't face persecution like they did, thank God. But for you, um, where would living for Jesus publicly require courage? Where would there be fear and hesitation? Where does living for Jesus publicly require courage for you? What would it look like? If you are courageous for Jesus in this next month, can you identify something? It might be just being more vocal about your faith with people. Uh, It might be just working on your your answer to questions that you get every week. Like every week on Monday morning at work, you're going to get the question, how was your weekend? And maybe it's thinking through, how do I want to answer a question like that? in a way that is courageous. Or maybe there's a specific person that God brings to mind that you want to be courageous with. What's something you could do to be courageous for Jesus in the next month or so? And then finally, uh, maybe for you, you want to settle in on this word camaraderie. And think I want to do this together with other believers, and so maybe maybe there's a person that comes to mind where you feel like you know I need to, th- there's someone I need I need to encourage him I need to encourage her I need to be intentional to to reach out or maybe there's maybe you need encouragement and, and for you it's I need to reach out. I need to lean into relationship and, and kind of ask for support and prayer and courage. But how can you lean into the camaraderie that Paul is encouraging the Philippians towards? Jesus, you are bright and big and beautiful and gracious, and kind, and powerful, you're worth it. Would you fill us with your spirit this week so that our lives might reflect the fact that you're worth it in everything we do, Lord? Help us discern what that life looks like, and give us the courage and the help to live that kind of life, that others might see just how valuable you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.